Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. We're still in John 1. We were in John 1 just a couple weeks ago, and we're still there. And this is the less popular part of John 1. You've heard the beginning of John 1 before. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That famous prologue to the gospel, possibly the most beautiful and well-written part of all of Scripture. The passage that we look at today is a little bit less popular. Here we move from before time to the cosmic Christ down to earth. We we move to John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. We see John, and I don't know if you, how well you know about John, but John is even known outside of the scriptures. John was a very popular person. Josephus writes about John. John was someone with many followers who had quite a thing going in the first century. But John, and it's interesting how John kind of talks about things a little bit differently than the other gospel writers, but John says that it seems like that Jesus was kind of hanging around John the Baptist, that he was hanging around him for a while, and John the Baptist kind of just saw him as one of everyone else. But as you'll see in the reading here today, when Jesus was baptized, John says that I noticed the Holy Spirit not only descended upon him, but remained with him. And from then on, this you know, wild man in the wilderness, the one clothed in camel's hair, the one who is a little bit scary, who is preaching fire and brimstone. He was talking about the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. From this point on, all John can do is point to Jesus. That's all he does. Everything he's about from then on becomes about pointing to Jesus because ultimately he was waiting for the Messiah all along. And so now that he thinks he's found him, everything's about him. And if you have seen uh, paintings or just images of, of John, whether John's the Baptist is represented as a baby or as an adult, in the paintings, there's always a finger and it's pointing at Jesus. And that, um, that, that's a, um, the, the artist, <laughs> amazing. But that's a really essentially all he does from then on out. And so Naturally, some of John's disciples, they hear John talking about this Jesus guy all the time. And so the text says that two of them go and they decide, well, we're going to follow after this guy now. Which is interesting because, uh, I don't know about you, but most pastors I've met, including myself, if a whole bunch of you decided, oh, we're going to go and to the, the preacher across the street, to his church, I would probably be like, don't go. Or, or my ego would be involved. Or I'd feel like a sense of status being lost. But here, John, John isn't concerned with that at all. His status is secure. He's found the one who he was looking for. And so John is okay with the loss of status. He's okay with the loss of numbers. It seems like, if you read between the lines here, that John is essentially saying, go on ahead. That's all he's doing is pointing to this other one. So naturally, they go, and they go to follow after this other one. This Jesus, this one whom John said is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. So the, these two disciples, they follow after Jesus. But notice 
really the initiative really isn't so much with them. Sure, they're going after this man, but the initiative is really with Christ. Christ asks the first question. And in many translations, it reads simply, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And uh, that's, that's why we didn't have that one read this morning. It's, the Greek is much stronger. John is much stronger. It's more like, who are you seeking? What are you seeking? It's a, a deep question. It's at the core of you, what are you seeking? Not simply, what are you looking for, which could be misinterpreted as, where is your tent? Where do you live? Um, this is something deeper. They're asking him something. He, he's asking them, sorry, what are you seeking? Now, what's interesting about this is in Mark um, and in the other Gospels, uh, Jesus' first words are all, they kind of focus on different things. In Mark, his first words are to silence a demon. In Matthew, his first words begin with the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. With, in Luke, his first words are a proclamation of the, the year of the Lord's favor, where he's quoting Isaiah. But here in John, it's the simple question, what are you looking for? Or what are you seeking? And I think that that is a question, a very good question, that you, that can be asked of us, of you and me. What are you seeking? What are you really looking for? Now, as we'll read, as we go further in John, we'll see that other people come looking after Jesus. They're interested in following him. We see the crowds come and try to follow him. And then we see the religious authorities try to do the same. The crowds come seeking him to have their bellies filled. The religious authorities come seeking him essentially because he's a threat. They come to try to kill him. One group seeks life, and the other group seeks death. And if you read John, you obviously get the important, the one who's all about life and have it more abundantly. He's saying that the crowds are obviously after something better than the religious authorities. These lowly people are actually seeking something greater than the people who, who should know better. Now, interestingly enough, these two disciples are looking for something a little different. We've already kind of hinted at that the crowds were looking for something better, but we'll also see Jesus say, after a while, because he's very interested in filling their bellies. If you've read the stories, you know this. He's not interested in just letting the poor be poor. But he says that if we're just seeking him to fill our bellies, that's not enough. And we get an image or a picture of what we should be looking at here. That his two disciples come, and they simply want to be with him. They want to follow Jesus. They want to be in his presence and see what it is that he has to offer. And so they ask him a, a natural question. So they don't really answer his question when he says, what is it that you're seeking? They ask, where are you staying? Uh, which, again, isn't really strong enough. The word for staying here in the Gospel of John is abide. And if you know anything about the Gospel of John, that word abide or dwelling is throughout. It's a strong word. They're not simply saying, again, again um, where, where are you living or something like that. They're, they're, they want to know where he abides. And as we read John a little bit further, we'll hear about these, this, this notion of abide in me and I in you and you will have this life. 
So again, they're not asking for the location of his tent. They're asking for his permanent, enduring dwelling place, this dwelling place of the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. But if you read closely, you'll notice they don't use the same words that John the Baptist uses. They say something like, they say, and it's a respectful term, they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? They don't call him the Lamb of God. They don't call him the, the Messiah. They may not be really ready for that yet. They're looking to him to see what it is that he has to offer, to see if their master, John the Baptist, is on to something. But I think because we know that that word dwelling and abiding, is, there's such a gravity to it in John, it seems like they're also asking him something like, how can we be in the dwelling place of God? How can we be in his presence? And so Jesus responds to them, but Jesus' response is not a theological treatise. Uh, he doesn't go and proclaim the nature of the Trinity or how he's fully God and fully man, which are all true things. And next week in the cruelty of heresy class, we'll go into those things in depth. But here, Jesus simply says, come and see. That's all he says. Come and see. They go and they, at the beginning, they're, they're kind of tepid. They're going to follow him. They want to see who this is. He has to initiate. And now here he is saying, this thing what, that you're looking for, come and find it. Come and see. And again, in John, see doesn't mean like, oh, I, I look over here, I saw something. See means something greater. It means to perceive, to have the eyes of your mind illuminated. Jesus says, come and see. And if you notice, you read a little further. By the end of the passage, they're no longer just calling him rabbi. They're no longer kind of tepid. They say, we found the Messiah. We found the one. They came and they saw. The eyes of their minds were enlightened. And if you notice, what do they do right after they see? They function the same way as John the Baptist does. They go out and they bear witness. All they can do is point to the Lamb. Andrew, the unsung disciple who goes and finds the, the more popular disciple, Peter, Andrew just goes and, and again, it's kind of like John the Baptist. He's really not so concerned about his status or anything. He's just pointing to the one, to the Lamb who was slain for the sins of the world. So I think I'm just going to ask you a simple question this morning, and, and that is the question that, that Jesus asked his disciples, and that is, what is it that you are looking for? Not like looking all around. What is it that you seek deep down? What is it that you think will provide you with fulfillment? I don't know about you, but for too long, I mean, I chose the wrong profession, I guess, but I've been looking for money. <laughs> or I've been looking for status. Maybe status is probably more my thing. I get to wear all these robes. But maybe you have been looking for money or status or fame or whatever it is. Um, accolades. Whatever it is you're lo you've been looking for, maybe you've found it wanting. And Jesus is asking that question to you and to me here 2,000 years later again. What is it that you are seeking? And the author of John is saying, take John the Baptist's advice. Go and look for the Lamb of God 
who was slain for the sins of the world. Find his dwelling and remain there, and you will find that life that you've been looking for, that I've been looking for, that I won't pretend to have found, even as I am here before you like this. John says, what we're really looking for will be found here, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, may it be so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.